Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to our countdown of this year. Um, of all 53 episodes, this was the number three, and I'm not surprised. This is a table talk with my three oldest daughters, and this one was, we are wrestling with the big issue of perfectionism. From a mother's perspective, I am I want you mamas to listen to this for yourself, because my girls speak truth that I've listened back to this podcast and I am applying that truth to my own walk with the Lord, my own wrestling with feeling like I need to be perfect at what I do. But then moms, I am going to encourage you, plead with you, beg you, go get your girls in the car, turn on this podcast and go get ice cream. Ice cream is a girl's love language. And time alone is absolutely a love love language for a teenage or a preteen girl. And I am encouraging you right now, please go get your girl, get in the car and just let this be playing and not for you to lecture, but oh my goodness, let this be a space where it can foster conversation, where you can say, Let's listen to this together. Let's hear what they have to say because my daughters unpack. They all three have struggled with this and they all three struggle with it differently. And I think that's a talking point with your daughters. We all, this all sounds and feels a little different to each one of us. Some of us feel it in huge ways. Some of us feel it in slight ways, but there is an emphasis in this world that the way you look what you do, how you engage, your end result is super important and you better be perfect at it. There's a culture that is surrounding your daughters that is constantly pointing to that. And we have got to begin to open up conversations to say, hey, how you doing with this? What's going on with you in your heart? And then at the end, the girls really point to truth. They really help you and I as moms navigate a conversation with our own girls about, well, this is what the word of God says. This is what our hope is in. And it is not in us. It is not in being perfect. It's in Jesus. So I hope this encourages you, but please, 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 you can feel complete confidence in playing this with your little 10, 11 and 12 year old girls. There is nothing revealed here that is inappropriate for them to listen to. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that your 10, 11, and 12-year-old girls are beginning to feel this pressure already. So you can begin to be their confidant, be their cheerleader, and to be the mama who slings an arm around 
their shoulder and says, I'm going to walk this out with you. And we're going to just talk about it because I wrestle with it too. So I hope this encourages you this week. Hey, and welcome back to the kitchen table. Today we are doing something that I'm very excited about. We are sitting down, I'm sitting down with my girls and we are going to begin a conversation today that I believe, well, maybe we'll carry for the next couple of weeks in which we are talking about how moms and daughters can interact, how the gospel plays into those actual times and scenarios, how different temperaments, you're going to hear from three different girls, and so there are three different personalities, temperaments, things that they struggle with and ways they process the world. And what I am praying for this time is that it will just be a time where you as a mom will begin to understand a little bit more clearly how you can partner with God and walk with him as he leads and is engaged with your child. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking to the girls. I am hoping after that to have some conversations with some other mamas who have a bunch of grown boys. But for today, it is me and the girls. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Kendall, Abby Grace, and Anna Claire. Um, and Kendall, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first because <laughs> you're the oldest. <laughs> yes. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, my name, my name is Kendall. Um, I am 21 years old. Um, this summer I just got married, so that's very exciting. Um, it's been a very big change in my life for sure. Um, I'm currently trying to finish up my college years and, um, pursue a master's, um, in social work and just living in Chattanooga. Um, yeah, just trying to figure it all out. I'm very excited for these next couple of episodes and getting to walk through this because it's definitely something that, um, I don't know, is very near and dear Mm -hmm. to my heart. It's something that I've enjoyed walking through with my mom and just going through womanhood is not something that's very easy. And while growing up, um, in this culture is very, very difficult to say the least, but, um, yeah, so I'm just excited to, um, to walk with y'all through this. Thanks. Abby. Okay. Um, I am Abby Grace. I am 19. I finished my freshman year at Samford university, but I'm actually taking a gap year. Um, for the next few months I have a job and I will be working with my church's youth ministry until I have the opportunity to go to Africa for six months and over the summer. And I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I think what I'm super excited just to talk about is what it looks like when you walk with your parents and your siblings after you've actually taken the step to kind of take your faith as your own Mm -hmm. and begin walking with Christ um, in your own relationship and how actually the relationship with your parents kind of turns into um, like mentoring and walking alongside of you instead of necessarily like a parenting looking down on you, I guess, if that makes sense. But I'm really excited to kind of talk about what the Lord has walked with in my life um, and taught me. So I think that's what I'm Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. That's perfect. Yeah, it's going to be great. And then Anna Claire. Hi, I'm Anna Claire, and I'm 16 years old, and I'm in the middle of high school, just trying to walk out how to live um, the high school years with gospel. And uh, while all my other friends are maybe shifting toward worldly stuff and trying to be different and kind of find my identity in God instead of the world. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, girls, I'm glad y'all are here. I really am. <laughs> I feel very honored and I'm super excited. We These kinds of conversations sometimes, uh, no, not sometimes, they happen a lot around our table, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's mostly organic. A lot of it's because somebody... <laughs> Has a meltdown. <laughs> Has a meltdown. Yeah. It may be that I'm helping the meltdown, but somebody's definitely there's a struggle or there's a, a place that um, someone is hurting or struggling. And so for today, as we begin this conversation, what I want you to understand, or how we're going to try and put some boundaries around this, because the truth is we could talk about this for a long time, is we're going to try and put this conversation in terms of five concepts, um, which, and so I think that you're going to hear the girls talk, maybe even with these terms, they might come out of their mouth because they are terms that we use in our home. But the first one is identity, um, understanding where you find identity, um, and where are you, um, tempted to find identity? You know, oftentimes we struggle with finding our identity in Christ versus the world. And then we're going to talk about comparison and what does it, what does it look like? How does it, um, motivate you? How does it blind you? We're going to talk about perfectionism, how that plays into a lot of times our mindset. And then finally, we're going to talk about, or you'll hear the girls talking about surrender and how important surrender is and beginning to understand that, um, when we actively participate in our faith, meaning we are choosing to walk in a way that understands the gospel a lot of the time, the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be surrender. And then finally, just an active arming. And I love that. Actually, Abby Grace came up with that terminology. And really, I think what it gives a good picture of is the idea that you are actively engaged in your faith walk with the Lord. So those are the terms, right, girls? Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about it in light of, let's start with the first one. Let's start with the idea of perfectionism. Because each of you have struggled with perfectionism in different ways. I don't know if y'all can eat, y'all want to verbalize how you because it's all looked different in each one of your your lives. Somebody hit the floor and talk. <laughs> all right, I can go first on this one. All right. Um, I think one of the biggest ways I struggled with perfectionism was the confusion between a works based faith and a faith that produces works. Mm. And what that looks like in regards to my salvation. So I struggled a lot for years with the concept that I had to clean up my act and I had to pull myself together in order to lay myself at the feet of Christ and accept the forgiveness that he gave me at the cross. To me, that was just a very unfamiliar concept that me, I guess, in my own humanity couldn't grasp. Um, 
So it's been really cool watching the Lord kind of unravel and break down even the concept of where my worth lies and Mm. how if I were able to somehow produce works good enough to earn my salvation, there would have simply been no purpose in the cross. So I've learned a lot about the fact that perfectionism is actually one of the biggest lies the enemy wants to throw at you as a, as a believer, um, just in the sense of we want to somehow be thought of as like good enough Christians or good enough people when that's not at all what the walk of faith looks like. So that's kind of a little bit about what I've worked through with perfectionism, but yeah. Um, I think obviously a lot of what Abby Gracious said is a lot how it's played out in my life, but I think the entire concept of perfectionism to me, when I hear and see how it plays out differently in everyone's life, kind of all comes back to our idea of our worth and our self-worth and, um, you know, when you're a believer, you know, naturally that should just be founded in Christ, but a lot of the world kind of wants to come at us and skew that concept and throw a lot of daggers and lies at us that can change, you know, the Lord's idea of our worth into this concept of like worldly perfectionism. And I think for me, that played out a lot um, in high school for me. Mm-hmm. I really, really struggled with um, my my issue or walk in perfectionism is more of comparison of myself to others and maybe what I look like or my grades or really it could just, I mean, a whole list of things. And, um, that just sent me into a path of a lot of other different struggles. And it really was just the root of perfectionism and where I chose to place my worth. Um, and for a lot of those years, I decided to place it in, you know, my accomplishments or, um, what I looked like or how I behaved or the friends that I had. Um, and for me, yeah, it really all just stems from I really lost sight of my worth. And um, and that's where that lie started to kind of unravel. Yeah, I think. And Abby, where have you struggled? I mean, I know you struggled with it and you owned it and said, yeah, I struggle with this. But did it start in high school for you? Did it start earlier? Um. So... I've always had a very loud personality. I've never been very scared to just be who I am. And that just tends to be a very loud person. Unique. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Verbiage is, it is what it is. But um, I think I, around seventh grade, started having this huge fear of being too much for people around me and just... Mm being too loud or too dramatic or too overwhelming and simply not having people that wanted to be around me just because of my personality. So I think around seventh grade, because I think that's actually when we moved up Mm -hmm. into Knoxville, Mm -hmm. I think was when I really first started struggling with the concept of perfectionism. And then I was homeschooled, but I had a few teachers and little co-ops that we do kind of... Mm -hmm nail me on the head, I guess, and just tell me that either my work wasn't good enough or I needed to do more or try harder. And that really kind of struck a nerve because I've always kind of been detail-oriented, so I never really like when things aren't as good as they could be. So it all kind of, I think, began for me in the seventh grade of just Mm -hmm. really my headspace 
kind of shifted from being very carefree and very open to just everything I did, I nitpicked in everything I said, I would think about for hours afterwards. And there was just, my headspace just kind of went from being very confident in who I was to just completely shutting down a lot of my personality. Would you say that, do you think that was, so you say in your headspace, what were you hearing? So for the mom who has a seventh or eighth grade girl, and all of a sudden they're starting to see a personality shift or a change. Because, I mean, I, I kind of remember seeing this and we've talked about in our home that I believe that one thing that began to, and we laugh about it a little bit, but it's really not funny. And to my mama heart, it kind of makes me so sad. But we talk about your handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> because I, oh. <laughs> I made a comment in about that season of life about your handwriting not being very neat. And saying, I remember, I remember it now because I, I remember saying it's not very neat and you're old enough that it should be neat. And that was so unkind. It was not right. And there's nothing good about it, but it also set, I believe in motion. What? Well, I guess (laughs) everybody listening cannot witness my handwriting, but (laughs) Tis very small. It's the definition of perfection. (laughs) (laughs) I have had a lot of people joke that you need a magnifying glass to read my handwriting. For some reason, I got into my head that like the smaller my handwriting was, the easier (laughs) it was to like maintain the uniformity. I I don't. I don't know. It's very small. Um, Like it's so small. (laughs) You cannot read it if you need. If you have readers, it has gotten bigger. I have been working on it, (laughs) but I think my brain tends to hyper-focus a lot, so it Mm -hmm. will hone in on one thing, and it's just like, it's like I can't, it's it's almost like a very repetitive, consistent thought that just keeps popping into my head over and over again, so a lot of times, and it can be very overwhelming when my brain chooses to hyper focus on multiple things which is kind of it's kind of contradictory I guess in mm-hmm. the phrasing but um when I really started kind of shifting my focus into a lot of perfectionistic tendencies I think my brain just kept reminding me that what I was doing wasn't good enough so I was just mm. being hammered and almost pummeled by my own brain and everything I touched just kind of combusted and it just wasn't good enough. And there was more I needed to do. And I almost, it almost like, it, it kind of shut me down. Like I honestly mm-hmm. just kind of closed in on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's very complicated to explain because, I mean, if you look at the science behind your brain, your brain begins to make thought patterns right. that it will consistently follow. So it almost it came to a point where I didn't even have to think about the fact that I didn't do something good enough. It's almost like I would do it and immediately would just be swallowed by, yeah. by my brain being like, not good enough. Yeah. Um, I think that was something that I actually learned when I was walking with you in the teen years, that concept of neural pathways. mm -hmm. And I've talked about it inside the podcast before in the last series when we were talking about lies, because the same 
idea happens even in, in motherhood as what I was talking about is that we can immediately go from point A to point W without even being aware that we're passing all the points because we've carved such a neural pathway in our mind that connects everything. And we're in this belief system. Yeah. In essence. It it very much was a time whenever I just did not recognize the beauty of mercy, even in the concept of what the gospel is itself. And even if you just take yourself as a human being, what the concept of mercy looks like. I did not recognize and understand it for just how powerful and impactful it is. And I know I know Kendall and Anna Claire can talk about this as well, but just like the thought of like just feeling trapped inside your head about mm-hmm. very specific things even, and it it's differed from what Kendall and I have gone through and even what Anna Claire's walking through now as she's in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, just of like your brain is very good and the enemy is very good, honestly, at knowing how to trick your brain because yes. it's almost like you'll build a defense against a certain thought and the enemy will come around the back corner and he knows how to target you on very specific things. And so even, even when it comes to the concept of arming yourself daily, like the battle really can't be yours to fight. Like it has to be complete surrender to the Lord and fighting that battle because our minds aren't strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're not strong enough to combat those attacks, but it's very interesting the way the enemy tries to pinpoint you on very specific things that to somebody else wouldn't be a big deal, but to you, they're like right. kind of earth shattering. But I know Kendall has some things that she can definitely talk about regarding that. So, yeah, um, I think for me, the first time that I really, I mean, just to go off that about the enemy and how he really just kind of intricately it will choose to attack us with things that are so personal and really mm-hmm. just allows us to fall into this trap of his lies because to us, they just seem so real or um, applicable to what we're walking through because he can take any type of lie and just completely spin it in, in a way that applies so just um, perfectly. Yeah, just perfectly to the situation mm-hmm. we're walking through. And I think the first time I really understood the way that the enemy talks to us was probably my senior year of high school. I actually read a book um, called Screw Tape Letters. Yeah. And I talk about that book all the time. And if you haven't read it, you really should. I just, I mean, I kind of fell in love with the way that, that um, C.S. Lewis, who I believe is author, kind of wrote it from the perspective of uh, the enemy. And it really just changed the way that I recognized lies of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And it really reinforced in my head that I, I really can't come to the battlefield unprepared and unarmed because the truth is the enemy, he knows God and he knows scripture probably better than I will ever know scripture and God. Mm-hmm. But if I'm able to have his truth to combat those lies, that was really the only time in my life um, is walking into my uh, freshman year of college that I kind of understood that concept because before that I honestly was just walking a very very worldly path and I probably would have said that I was following you know the Lord and I was going to church and I was checking every box um, but I absolutely was not in any headspace or any like mindset intentionally following God and um, I think it was pretty clear to you know, to mom and dad. (laughs) But, um, to me, I thought I was doing everything fine. And I thought I was just 
all right and it didn't really matter in the way that I was walking was, you know, not as bad as so-and-so. And it was just that live comparison, honestly, in a different way as in like, oh, I'm fine because I'm not as bad as them or I'm not doing this extent of um, sin. But I, I was definitely still walking in that path. And I just think that that was a major thing that I really learned walking into um, college, which I'm so glad I did because that's an even bigger battlefield, um, was just that you have to come prepared and you have to come armored and... I would say that that's something I had absolutely no concept of walking through my middle school years. Um, and that's a lot of the reason why I think walking to high school is so hard because I definitely did not have my identity rooted in really anything. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really where I mm-hmm. began to struggle with that was just the concept of how to combat the lie, how to stand firm in the truth. Yeah. you have anything, Missy? <laughs> No, I agree with all of the points. Do you think you... So you're a different personality sitting at this table. Yes, for sure. For sure. For sure, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And so I'm not sure that this is quite a circle that you maybe tend to devolve in. Like, do you find perfectionism a struggle as as we're defining it? Would you change the definition a little bit for you? Because I think that... There are other definitions yeah, um, of it, and and you may have a different one, which is good. Because, like, personally, I could share from when I was young. And I would say that I struggle with perfectionism, but it doesn't sound like what theirs are. So, um, yeah, I think my struggle with perfectionism is a little bit – I mean, it's kind of the same with, like, comparison and, and like, wanting to be good for everyone. But it – honestly isn't something that I really struggle with day to day or something that it crops up a hundred percent of just like oh I'm literally not good enough for anybody or I'm not pretty enough or I don't have um the perfect body or just stuff like that will crop up but it's not something that on that standpoint it's more of how can I be good enough to fit the mold of what everyone like wants and like how can I be the perfect friend or like the one that everyone um needs and I don't know and mm-hmm. like that aspect of it I guess. yeah mm-hmm. so moving forward in this conversation a little bit the question I have for all of you is what um when you were even in middle school or high school or younger, if you've got an example, even of younger and you began to struggle with any of these places, what I'm going to, I'm going to ask it like this, I guess, what were good things that maybe I did or didn't do? Maybe I, I did and I didn't even realize it. What were things where I missed could have done better? What would you, what did you need? Um, and then maybe even the answer of, what would have been the best thing, the posture or whatever as a mom? Because that's what a mom's wondering is, well, okay, so I'm not sure if my daughter's struggling here, but probably. So what are the right steps to take so that there can be gospel presented, but presented at the right time? Because here on the podcast, we talk a lot about we we don't want – I mean, I just, I've talked about it in here, but we don't want it to be like a Jesus juke. And I know that there've been times in your lives where I've just Jesus juked you, where I've just, just nailed you with a Jesus quote and it's not been helpful at all. 
So, but I think there have been times where it conversations have been helpful because probably I've been humble in them, but those are, that's kind of an open-ended question and I'm going to let y'all talk. Okay. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, I think some of our answers will be similar. That was kind of a loaded question. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You can, you can pick any part, part A, part B, part C. Um, I think for me, when I look back on college and high school and some middle school, I don't know why I just don't have a very vivid memory of middle school, but, um, definitely high school years, I would say probably the most helpful thing that you ever did for us that you and dad probably ever gave us is just, well, two things on Just honesty is just your full honesty. Like you always say, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the straight truth. And sometimes that hurts. Sometimes that's like, mm, don't want to hear that. But sometimes it's super helpful. And I always know that I can come to you and you're just going to give me the absolute honest truth and answer. And you're probably not just going to give me the sugar coated version of anything. Um, so I think that was very helpful. I think the second thing in my head that immediately pops up is just, I mean, like your presence. Like I always felt like you were a safe place to come and talk to. Um, and I think that was very helpful for me walking through high school because I, I think a lot of times I felt like I needed to hide and hide things because, mm-hmm. you know, going back to perfectionism, I'm a very big people pleaser. And, you know, just I could feel that there were a lot of things I was doing that probably would not please a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I did know at the end of the day, I did have parents who cared and were Mm -hmm. there and were ready to listen and stay up until like three in the morning talking about genuinely whatever it was (laughs) that was on my heart. And y'all would, and y'all would just walk it out with me and you would give me just applicable ways to walk that out in my life. And I think that was just very, very helpful for me. Um, and, you know, I've talked a lot so far about just the high school years. I think that's really why I talk about that, because that was really a very pivotal few years for me. And, you know, when you go to what did I do right or what did I not do that or what did I do that I may not have realized I did. And I think that one of the things you definitely did right was just, I think, reading me. I don't know how others you feel, but I definitely know that, you know, you may not always bring up a lot of things that I do or like point out things as criticism, but I know a lot of things that you are watching and you're kind of processing and you're just really good at reading me and you're really good at kind of waiting for a moment in time that you can either hold me accountable or, um, you know, just, or just, honestly pull me out of environments that are just not healthy. And that's, I mean, that's what you and dad did for me in high school. Um, I was definitely walking down a path that was not for my own benefit. It was absolutely not walking with the Lord. And I just remember that one conversation we had. Well, I honestly did not know y'all had any idea what (laughs) was going on in my life. I did not know. I really felt like I was good at keeping things hidden and keeping things a secret. And that's where I'm going back to the fact that y'all are very observant and you're very aware. And that's very helpful for moments like this and for (laughs) kids like me because I felt like I was hiding things. And I definitely wasn't. <laughs> Anna Claire's laughing. She feels the same way. Yeah, because honestly, <laughs> <laughs> let me just join in oh, here for a second. Let the table become. While honest. it's super irritating, I am thankful for the fact that you honestly prayed that we would get caught in yeah, every single yeah, thing that we did. 
True. Because while it is irritating and I feel very sneaky and I really just want to like get away with stuff and be like a rebel, um, no. It never pans it, out. It doesn't and you end up paying for it. <laughs> so I'm really grateful. That was honestly something that – and also as like a very independent personality, I like to kind of do things by myself and make decisions by myself. And you don't – necessarily override me and be like okay no I'm gonna be the bigger person you kind of walk with me and be like okay what are the decisions we need to make to be a leader and to be wise about our decisions which is good but it you also handled it in like a very gracious but like yeah aggressive way Yeah, because I like I need firm. people. Yeah, yeah, firm. I really just I don't really listen to people who are just very sweet and like calm. Like I need you know, someone to be like, this yeah. is how we're gonna do it, and you're wrong. I need people to tell me that, and I feel like you handle that very well. But you know, you know, I realized that about you when you were two years old. You know that <laughs> we were in New York City, and you were having a complete meltdown throw down in a Starbucks. Wow, let me some Starbucks. You did, but you were losing your ever-loving mind in that Starbucks. And see, in New York City, people don't want to hear kids. They do not want to hear a baby screaming in a in a stroller. And I remember it because you were actually like behind the plastic. If anybody is from New York City, they understand that it was like a rainy day and so you're inside a plastic and I kind of pulled the plastic back for you to for us to come in and to order and you were like not you were so mad and screaming your head off and the first time what I tried to do is I tried to pull the plastic over you (laughs) to like put you back inside of your like rain gear and maybe nobody would hear and everybody was still hearing and so and everybody's shooting dirty looks and I bent down and I tried what had worked with all my other kids so far which was can you please be quiet we're not going to throw a fit in here and that did not work and I literally the next thing I thought was I just need to be firm and direct with this child and so I leaned down I said do not cry again (laughs) just like that and you literally sucked the tears back into your eyeballs and went and it was like and I looked at you and you looked at me and I was like okay okay and we're done and I was like that was the most that was the weirdest experience I'm 16 years old and it's still I really if you are not firm and aggressive I don't (laughs) view you as an adult it was crazy I don't the craziest moment like I if you are not very direct yeah. and you are and that's good yeah like you you, can, you needed it it was wild but yeah and that that is important it is important as a side <clears> note <throat> it's something that I've learned is to uh I call it being a student of your child where I do sit back and like study y'all and think about you and pray about you and, and ask the Lord to give me insight into actually how your brain works and not try and layer over you how I think your brain should work. Now, I think that there's lots of times where I've missed it completely. But, um, yeah, that you were actually that Starbucks was very pivotal in our relationship. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, then actually from that point on in New York, you were like the gem of a child to take around the city for the next Still two years. Still am. Because, because I knew all I had to do was bend down, look you in the eye, and go, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not doing that here." And you still have to do that. You still have to look me in the eye and say, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not doing that." <laughs> so, okay, but back, 
back to the question, Abby Grace, did you have anything you wanted to add? Um, yes. Um, <laughs> no. Let me see. So one thing I do just want to like put out there, just looking at the way even I reacted in mm-hmm. high school versus yeah. whenever I actually started. I don't know. Let's just say for a good three and a half years, I kind of closed myself off from all parental encouragement. Mm -hmm. I was not open. I was not receptive. They could have sat me down and had a conversation about what perfectionism looks like a hundred million times, had it a few times. And I would just honestly stone face it, sit there. I would not say a word. I would not. I would go upstairs and cry, do my thing. I was not receptive to it. So one thing I do want to say is you can be doing your absolute best. You can be your most encouraging. And unless the Lord moves Mm -hmm. your child's heart, they are not, they just might not listen. And sometimes, sometimes you are the person that kind of like, you know, plants the seeds that the Lord grows. But sometimes it's just at least for me, it was honestly the Lord kind of like taking an ice pick and being like, we are done in driving it into the center of my heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> done like what? What do you mean? Like done like, with the ice around your heart? Yeah, or we're done, done. With, with your heart. Like <laughs> yeah. did, did the ice pick we're just stab done. your heart? Or <laughs> A little bit <laughs> of both. Or the cold around your heart. Both. It killed okay. who I thought I was yeah. and oh. it opened me up to actually being receptive. Oh. But I will say something that y'all did do was like Kendall said, like Anna Claire said, is y'all were very aware of what was going on in my head, even when I maybe wasn't, Mm -hmm. or even whenever I thought that I was doing an amazing job at putting on a smile and heading out into my day. Um, Mm -hmm. Turns out I was very mean. Um, (laughs) But that's a different story. Um... (laughs) But no, I think something that you and dad definitely did well was just kind of giving me space when I needed the space mm-hmm. to process because I I process by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving me the space to do so, but also kind of reminding me along the way that there was, a, there was an issue going on in my life and there mm-hmm. was a real bump in the road and there were some serious walls that I was building. And even whenever I was not receptive to hearing that just kind of being a reminder along the way that what I was kind of doing to myself was not okay and was not biblically founded it was not rooted in the gospel it was not rooted in me having my identity in the gospel it was it was not okay so even just being there to remind me that that was something that was going on um and then when the Lord did really turn me around and I kind of had to come to y'all and be like, all right, here's the rundown. This is what needs to be turned around. Y'all walked with me and y'all encouraged me. And even when I didn't want to be like governed or mm-hmm. nitpicked or kind of like scrutinized, um, y'all were just very consistent in being like, you're not taking this journey alone. Even whenever you want to do like a solo writer type deal, <laughs> it's not in the cards for you right now. Yeah. And we are the support system that's not going to leave you even if you even if you try and run. Um, so that was something that I really appreciated you all doing for me. Um, that was really important that I think 
y'all did very well when it came to like meeting me where I was, but also kind of when I wasn't meeting y'all, y'all were like, er, you know, that's the second time I've done that. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being like, this is not what's going to happen here. Yeah. So what do you think? I hope that you think as you have listened to my girls share a little bit about who they are and you've listened to a little bit of their journey, which they will continue to unfold for you, kind of like a, a, almost like a present over the next few weeks. I hope what you can hear, Mama, is that you are not alone in walking with your daughter especially because right now we're kind of talking about mamas and daughters. You are not alone in walking with a daughter who feels the pressure to be perfect and who wonders how she can ever measure up. But I hope that the other thing that you are hearing through these girls' stories is, first of all, their testimony that it is God who did work in their hearts. It was not something magical or magnificent that I said at some time that flipped a switch that made everything better. I think what you've heard is I did practice presence with my kids. And we talk about this in this podcast a lot about being a student of your child, about being present for them, about being reachable and being a safe haven for them. And yes, I think I have tried over the years. There are many times where I failed and you are going to hear it in the next few episodes. Some of it has sounded really wonderful today, but in the next few next few episodes, as we unpack more of where God has brought these girls from and what he's leading them to and the truths, the magnificent gospel truths that they speak of. These are his work. They are for his glory. And so what I want more than anything, when you sit at this table today and you've listened to what they've said, I hope that you're kind of transported and you can kind of hear us bouncing off of each other and laughing and snickering behind the scenes at what somebody does or what they say or even the little inside jokes. You're going to hear more of those, I think, because we taped these in... um, When we recorded them, the night got longer. And so we got a little bit more silly. But more than anything, my prayer is that you will understand that walking with God is a beautiful, holy invitation that you and I get to be a part of with our kids. But he is the one who does the heavy lifting and he is at work. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to share a little bit about some of the things I've learned walking through um, some of these places that these girls have alluded to already. Uh, Some of the truths that God has sunk deep into my soul as a mom, as I'm trying to figure out how do I walk these roads with kids and the pressure is constantly on them. I can't take that pressure off of them. So how can I help them walk inside of it? Um, and so I will share a little bit more in the coming weeks about that, but for today, oh my goodness, I want you to know that God is for you. He is for your child and he invites you into this sacred place of being the one 
who puts your arm around their shoulder and walks with them. And there are fierce battles. And there are hard, hard places and roads that feel full of um, big rocks to stumble over and big pits to fall in. And even if your child falls into a pit, because some of mine have, and they've already told you a little bit, and they're going to tell you more. I can tell you this. God is bigger than the pit. He is stronger and more able to catch them as they fall from the rock. And he will walk with them. He will. Reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your questions. Um, I would love to have some questions for the girls. So if you have any questions and you're like, I would love to know what a 16-year-old thinks about this or what a 19-year-old or a 21-year-old think about this, please send them. Oh my goodness, that would be amazing. They would love to answer your questions and give you their thoughts about it. And um, I think that would be a fun episode. So you can find a place to talk it in through SpeakPipe on my website, or you can just send me an email or you can send me... Um, something through the podcast. There are lots of different ways that you can get a hold of me and send me your questions. So I would love that. That would be fun. And um, next week, we're going to continue this talk with the girls. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.